Oh, I've been looking at this menu for ages. I just really can't decide what I'm fancying today. Yeah, so much of this looks really good. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling for something a little bit, uh, a little bit unusual, a bit queer, something, something we've oh, not had before. Well, whatever, whatever it is we end up having, I'm sure it'll be, it'll be quite, quite pleasant. Oh, definitely. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to come somewhere new, isn't it? You know, where we, we get stuck in little ruts with things. It's, it's nice to go somewhere where you're a bit of a stranger. Oh, I think I know just what we should have. Is it the sharing platter of queer and pleasant strangers? Exactly. <laughs> Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale. And I'm not Jane Eris Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that podcast where two queer trans ladies sit down, we chat about our weeks, we do some silly voices, we do some skits, we try and make each other have a bit of a giggle. How are you doing? I'm doing alright. How are you? I'm alright. It's been, it's been a week. It certainly has. We've had a lazy couple of days, we've had some, some big... Busy nights, we've been getting on with stuff. It's been, yep. it's been a week. Yeah, been, been, been good week. We've been, you've been busy uh, doing book stuff. Yeah. Shooting your promo. Shooting, shooting my promo video for the book thing that like, uh, end of September, maybe a week into October, like that's going to be a thing. So I get to find out how I look on camera, I guess. So many butts, so, so many butts. butts. It's it's very rare I get to walk into a publisher's building and go and, and have a director go. I think you and the editor should draw some butts just on this big whiteboard. Just get drawing butts. All the butts. Yeah. The mustachioed butt. The hat butt. I was quite proud. I worked out how to put a moustache on a butt. It was a fine moustache and a fine butt. <laughs> but yeah. Should we should we start with our things of the week? Oh, what are what are our things of the week? Well, we normally start with what we've played. So, do you want to start with something you've played? Ooh, well, I've I've started playing minute. Oh, how are we getting on with minute? Doing all right so far. I, I like how you make little chunks of progress. Um, and and sort of all the exploration stuff. I like that the plot is conveyed in tiny little chunks. Oh yeah, you get you can never get more than a minute's worth of plot at a time, which means that everyone has to be very succinct. That's good because I feel like some games you do end up just like, yes, uh huh, yeah, I'm going to see the the jazz law and and. And, and poke King Anamaraxis round the ears <laughs> with the magical key and stuff. And it, it feels like world waffle that I don't need to hear. So I'm quite enjoying Minute just going, here's the thing, do this thing, it's, go here and do it's, this. It's somewhat like a, Zelda, like a top-down 2D Zelda game if you boiled it down to just like... Here is a game that you could technically complete in under 25 minutes. We've boiled off everything unnecessary. Go, 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 go. We took Zelda Link's Awakening and we, we treated it like... Um, what's that fight? Um, dive kick. Dive kick, yes. Where it's like... <laughs> no, it is just the basics. Jump, kick. But yep. th Those are your two things. That's it. That's all you get. Yeah, it is definitely like the basics of that kind of genre... Just going, go, 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 mm. go. 
Yeah, I think you're making yeah. decent <clears throat> decent progress. Like you found yeah. the sword factory. I found the sword factory. You've you've not got a huge amount left to work your way I through. I imagine so. I do need to sit down and finish that. Yeah, it's been my sort of before work in the mornings thing. Assuming I haven't got loads of other stuff it's, to do. It's a good game for that, and a good fit on Switch in that it is such a pick it up, play it for five minutes, feel like you've given it a couple of goes kind yeah, of game. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. What, what have you played? I've started playing Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition on Switch, which is that mobile port of Final Fantasy XV that now is on consoles, including the Switch. Here's what I'll say about it. It's it's initially very weird seeing the disconnect between, like, very high-quality studio recordings of voice actors next to these little chibi, blocky characters that do not move their faces. Funko Fan Fantasy 15. Yeah, particularly when you've played the full game, it's very weird watching these, like, these little representations of these characters just bounce around and be like, yes, <laughs> while, while these voices are like, yes, I'm doing a grand adventure JRPG, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I wasn't it's, totally sure about it when I saw the trailer. It, it's grown on me a bit the more I've done it, but it was a bit weird and disconnecty the first time I, hmm. I tried it. The combat system is definitely a bit more simplified, and it's definitely, like, less flashy visually. Like, it's, I don't enjoy fighting in this as much. It It's still fine. It's You've got the, your dodge roll, your warp mechanic, your, your button for hitting with your, your weapon. It still feels good. It's just, like, you're stacking it up against Final Fantasy XV, which had, like, a truly, truly superb... There was not really anything to compare it to, sort of battle system. Oh. Well, on the positives though, it's been really nice to be able to power through that story and to get a bunch. Like, I, I kind of wanted to go back to that story without all of the like dedicating a hundred hours to it. Mm. And this definitely feels like this is a condensed kind of kind of a bit like a minute. It's here's that thing, but just. Go, 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 get through the thing, go, go, go. Hmm. It, it doesn't feel like it's wasting my time. Okay. Which is, it's nice as a way to revisit it, but it's not a replacement for Final Fantasy XV. Oh. Yeah. What about you? You played anything else? <laughs> um, I played some uh, Warlock of Firetop Mountain. Is this the the D and D the the this adventure the book thing? Fighting fantasy, um, Steve Jackson and Livington style um, game. Lots of reading to do. And the thing I like most about that is as soon as you boot it up, it goes, do you want to use the dyslexic font? Yeah. Like, yes, please. <laughs> um, you can change font size really easily, mm. which is, is also quite good, especially I would imagine if you're playing it handheld. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was really happy with that. Obviously, with being dyslexic, it's, it's going into a game that is super text heavy can be a bit like yeah. a bit gruelling. But I, I found I, I played for like three hours I didn't even put my glasses on. I'm glad you got on so well with it. Yeah. That's really nice to hear. Yeah, I did really well. Um, I I did a run through it. I, I did not yeah. survive to the end, but it's uh, yeah. I would definitely go in and and give that another try. See if I can do slightly yeah. different things. But it's sort of choose your own adventure book as a game sort of thing. Uh, Is that yeah, about and right? it will sort of instead of you know the the, the plot might be. Um, you know, blah blah blah. You're in this room, and and turn left or right. It, there is that sort of 
you're in a corridor, yeah. um, and then you just sort of click on the area you want to go. It's, it's, you can see the map as a whole that mm. uh, that sort of reveals itself in front of you as you go along. So you get less of the, um, you know, trying to memorise it all or, or do yeah. your own mapping and with the book. I imagine for someone like you that struggles with imagining and picturing and visualising, yeah. having that stuff visually laid out for you is probably quite helpful. Definitely. And... Um, also, with things like that, you can't. You could never really tell in the books how long a corridor was. So yeah. you could say you go north. You don't really have any idea how far you've gone north. So you yeah. can't necessarily say that if you made a grid and started drawing the map out, that if you turn right at page 243, you're not automatically going to end up exactly where you've, you've got yeah. your next parallel. You, you don't, you, if you were doing it on grid paper, you wouldn't know whether a corridor was one, two, three, four, five exactly. squares long. Exactly. So, you know, um, it, it's quite nice that you can sort of go, oh, I am looping back on places I was near the beginning because mm. I've, I've done this. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Uh, nice little basic combat system. Um, sort of position yourself on sort of chest tiles and uh, try and avoid getting hit. But nice. uh, everybody moves at once, so if uh, a creature's going to, to sort of move, you need to try and hit where it's going to move to. If it's going to attack here, you want to move out of its way, but you don't necessarily know that it's going to attack, like, yeah, exactly where you would be putting yourself. You've got to sort of, I guess, preempt where things are going to end up yeah. and... Yeah, and take the minimum amount of damage and then sit on benches to recover some health, uh, sit on bench and eat food to, to gain, like, double health. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's it's been good fun so far. I'll be interested to see what other runs reveal and playing with different characters because apparently they have different starting gear that can change things. Yeah. So, yeah, things to do there. What else have you played? So, I finally got round to playing a game that I've had a Steam code for since, like, I think May? Uh, for months and months I've had Steam code for this. Uh, it's a game called Stay, and I believe it's just come to the Switch as well. And here's why I've not played it. The only thing I was told about it before going in was, the once you start playing the game, any time you spend not playing the game... The game is counting that time and there are consequences for it. And I was like, oh, that's a lot of pressure for me. Hmm. I I needed a time period where I felt like I could sit down and get through it in maybe a couple of settings. Yeah. Um, so the basic idea is you don't actually play as the protagonist. The protagonist, I guess, is this character called Quinn, who has been kidnapped from his bed in the middle of the night by some shadowy figure, locked in a basement... There is a computer in the basement, and he's managed to get in contact with you. And it's basically, you are... You're not the person trapped in the room trying to escape. You are a person over instant messenger just, like, trying to give them advice. Trying to keep them from panicking. Because they are in a very terrifying situation, and you are their one lifeline to the outside world. Hmm. Um, structurally, a lot of it is sort of escape the room puzzle type stuff it's you will get descriptions from Quinn of like oh I've just noticed there's this going on in the room what what should I try doing mm. a lot of it as well is just having conversations with this character and trying to keep them from panicking in a situation where it would be totally understandable to panic mm. um, and that mechanic I was describing before about when you leave the game is there's one counter in the game that's 
how long you've spent playing the game, talking to this character, yeah. how, how long you've been in game. The second you close the game, it starts a second counter, which is how long you've left this guy alone. Which, understandably, he's locked alone in a basement, he has no idea where he is. Leaving him alone, kind of like a Tamagotchi. <laughs> but like much more depressing in that like ah there are consequences because you left this person alone hmm. and did not interact with them um and the basic version of those is he will get more panicked more concerned less prone to thinking calmly about the situation the more often he the more the the more times and the longer he is left going, hmm. what if they're never going to come back? What if they're never going to help me? What if I'm trapped here forever? Okay. Um, it's an understandable... The way this character reacts is really understandable. Um, I think my biggest issues with the game were generally, like, occasionally the pacing of the dialogue's a little slow. Hmm. Um, I think there's something to be said for this is a character who is trapped and maybe just wants a bit of normalcy. There's maybe some argument there, but mm. the big thing for me was I found this game really anxiety-inducing to play. Oh. Um, and, like, I'm gonna keep this, like, not... Uh, try not to go too dark on this, but I've had experiences in my life where I've been, like, on the phone with people who it's been, like, yeah, if you, if you stopped communicating with this person, things are going to go bad. Mm. And... This game brought up a lot of that sort of, uh, 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 I've got things I need to be doing, but but I feel, no, I don't feel like I can leave this. Mm. It, it brought some of those feelings back up, and that was... Stressful. It was stressful. Like, the game worked. Like, it's trying to make you feel stressful about leaving the game. Well, that doesn't and sound fun at all. No, it, it achieves that. It's, it's a powerful bit of, you know, storytelling that can only really be done through games. Mm. But just, like, be aware, is that kind of thing going to stress you out? And, like, bear that in mind if you play it. Because, hmm. like, it's, it's maybe about eight hours long. Okay. It's a really interesting little game, but gosh, it took me months to get around to playing it, and even then I got really anxious about it. Well, that's all right. What about you? You played anything else? Um, I had a go at uh, Surgeon Simulator on Switch. Oh, how's that? Yeah. He's still, still like, this is needlessly complicated it's, controls. It, I mean, the fact that you can fuck up the uh, the title screen to, to get into the game <laughs> if you've been too curious about what's on the desk and have to reset the whole thing <laughs> and then start again with the piss-annoying controls, I, I don't think it's for me. Um, yeah. I, I played uh, about two minutes of the first <laughs> level and killed my patient Fairly quickly, well, about yeah. two minutes, and and was just like, uh, uh, I don't care enough. You haven't made me want to play this at all. The, the whole, I played, I played a fair amount of it on PC, and the thing about it is, it, it's one of those games where it's deliberately obtuse, so that when you work out how to do it efficiently, you start feeling like, aha, I'm doing this thing that no one else is really able to do. I. It's not a game I'm ever going to stick with, but I understand where the feeling of completion comes from with it. Mm. I I prefer something like Octodad, because at least with something like Octodad, it's not... There's a story. It, it took two minutes and you fucked up. Yeah, there's a story and 
if you mess up, it's just, ha, doesn't that look goofy? And, you know, all the fun stuff with the family. I'm thinking mainly yeah. of um, Dadliest Catch, but, like, yeah. fun stuff with family things and, and fucking up the wedding and things. It, it's one of those, I'll admit, like, I've played enough Surgeon Simulator to feel okay at it, yeah. and once you reach that point, it's like, ah, oh, there is something satisfying about it, but... Mm. There is a barrier of this is deliberately obtuse, and that doesn't forgive the fact that it isn't fun to play initially. No, well, I mean maybe I will try it again, but it's not yeah. really solving. You know, I would rather sit and play something like Mount Your Friends, <laughs> which has obtuse controls, but it's fun. Yeah, that's fair. And what about you? Anything else? Uh, last thing I started on this week is I finally got started on Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Ooh. Um, I'm not doing it for work, so I looked at, I heard some stuff about reviews and saw some reviews and watched some footage, and a lot of people were feeling a bit down on this one, because mm-hmm. this is, what, the third one of that reboot series. Yeah, and possibly the last one in this series. Yeah, maybe I'm just not far enough into it yet to have come across the unsatisfying narrative stuff, but mm. so far I'm kind of enjoying it. Okay. Like. It opens with with Lara Croft basically being like, "Oops, my own intriguedness about all these artifacts has kind of fucked everything up. Mm. I I should probably deal with that." Uh, there's a really there's a really nice section I came across earlier that was um, you end up playing as young Lara Croft trying to find out like where your dad has hidden things in in the the manor about your mother. Mm. I'm so far really enjoying it. I'm enjoying a lot of the character interactions between uh, Lara and I completely forget the other guy's name that she's travelling around with. Forgive me on that, but they have a lot of really nice interactions about family um, that feel very real. Mm. I don't know, right now I'm enjoying it. It's, It's mechanically, it's the first two games again. But I'm enjoying it. But with wall running now. With wall running and uh, you can swing on ropes like in Wind Waker. You sort of do the grappling hook and then swing back and forth. And everything's sort of yellowy gold because you're in Peru. Is Peru traditionally yellowy gold? They're going for a whole like trying to find El Dorado thing and everything's got that whole like... Everything's just sort of Inca, Aztec, goldy sheen to the temples. And we will find the cities of gold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, you played anything else? One last game. Um, there's uh, a place near us that has a, a free arcade cabinet. Uh, I, I spend it's... a reasonable amount of time playing at lunchtime. Um, oh, I had no idea about this. Um, so I, I, I sometimes head over at lunchtime and, and play some some games. Uh, I've mostly been playing Kicks. I don't know if you know it. QIX. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been playing a decent amount of that. Um, I'm, I, I currently have every single high score on the high scoreboard. <laughs> You're going to have to, at some point, show me where this, this arcade machine is. Ooh. I'm intrigued. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun with that. Yeah. I, I used to, I used to just go, I will only go slow. I will only do the slow, drawy liney. And draw the the slowest of lines, <laughs> and try and take over as much of the screen as possible. And now I've sort of gone. I'm going to use fast fast lines to build like section off bits of the the grid, and then try and get like somewhere in the ninety percents. I end up doing less levels because they get killed more often, but but like, yeah. getting better scores. Yeah, much better level. scores. Like yeah. I think my top score at the moment is something like eighty two thousand, and my yes. lowest score is like forty eight thousand. 
got the queue. Considering every score started uh, when I first walked in there was uh, at 30,000, because I don't think anyone plays gigs. I'm now pitch- A lot of people playing Pac-Man, a lot of people <laughs> playing like uh, Dig Dug in 1943, but... Uh... I'm, I'm now picturing all the local teams booting up quicks <laughs> and being like, one day we'll <laughs> beat this, Jane. One one day we'll get a high score. One day you'll beat Jam. Because <laughs> initials... Um, Okay, so anything else? No, that's everything I've played, I think. Right Inside the boardroom of Electronic Active Softworks. So, uh, I called this meeting because we got got a bit of an issue. Uh, There's there's a couple of big video games recently released, and, uh, you know, we're not getting a slice of that sales pie, obviously. So we got these these big AAA releases, single-player releases, Spider-Man... God of War, we got to work out what can we learn from those games that can help us with our microtransaction-laden bullshit to make games that sell better and that fans like. Well, like, uh, the uh, Spider-Man had a, an awful lot of uh, uh, unlockable costumes, and uh, we know that uh, cosmetics are, are very important to our key demographics. Um, so I, I think maybe if we just put out, like, a bajillion T DLCs for different skins. We could make a skin for literally everything that has ever existed, you know, and and we'll charge them like five bucks a piece. Exactly. Maybe sell a, a pack of three for like twenty bucks. Yeah, exactly. Because as we all know, the reason why Spider-Man's costumes were successful was because they existed, not because they existed and were free. No, they'd pay for them. They, Absolutely. Of course they would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so looking at, like, other examples like that, we had, like, God of War, and, again, Spider-Man, had a bunch of uh, accessibility options, made them easier for uh, more, more people to play. Yeah. I think, once again, sell those as DLC, we're golden. I mean, it worked for Mortal Kombat. We managed to take the the thing that made it easier for people that might have mobility issues to play, and we we charged for that with the, the easy fatalities. That was that was exactly. Brilliant. And we obviously make them. We don't make them. You pay once, you've unlocked it. You pay once, you get a certain consumable number of uses, like those Mortal Kombat fatalities. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you get maybe two uses for five bucks, and and. Um, well, again, we'll probably sell, like, a, a, a three-pack for 20 bucks or something like that, you know. And how about this? We'll even, like, put in, like, special things that you can only get if you spend the, the larger amounts in a single go, you oh, know? Oh, brilliant. Now, see, I think if we put all this bullshit into our games, we're gonna sell just as well as that Spider-Man and the God of War. You're a fucking genius. Ah, oh, mate, how you doing? You had, you uh, had a good night? I'm having a well good night, bro. Yeah, I'm, feel- nice. I'm feeling amazing. I've had so much to drink, you wouldn't believe. Oh, same. I've had, oh, mate, I've just put down bottle after bottle. Oh, like, God. Oh. I, I had, like, a, li- a litre bottle next it. Another litre bottle next it. It's two all litres I've got through. I'm That's, feeling yeah, fat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, only problem, of course. A few trips to the bar for a minute. Oh, I know. Once, once the... Uh, the gates are open. Oh innit? yeah, yeah. Once you pop, you can't oh, stop. You know, oh, having yeah. a having a bit of water and getting hydrated is a proper good way to spend a night. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <gasps> what have you put into your earring, hearing, vibration into the brain holes? Uh, I've not put many things into those those ear-based holes on the side of my head. Uh-huh. Uh, I listened to a track that uh, you were playing and you sent me the link to, which was. Final Ooh. Fantasy Dubstep, Prey, 
redo remix. Ah, uh, the, the 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 Final Fantasy Prey album is amazing. Yeah, I started listening to that afterwards, but I started on that dubstep track and all oh, that was always oh, good. It's a good it's a good remix of a Final Fantasy track that it's is. It's beautiful. I remember the first time I heard it I was like, "Oh, what have they done to this track?" And it really grew on me after multiple listens. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where the original like Prey track is so sparse, I guess, that it feels like anything you add to it feels like it would take away. Yeah. But I don't think this does. I think this does add something interesting to it. Definitely. Yeah. What about you? What have you been listening to? Um, give me a second. <laughs> you you building up your list. Okay, so I listened to uh, Clean Air featuring Buro Banton, uh, the JFB remix. Ooh, tell me about this. It's... um. It's like a really slow build um, about sort of environmental issues and, and, you know, wanting clean air. And and then it sort of just builds into this like amazing and slightly too short uh, drum and bass bit way at the end. But it, it really builds nicely. So it's it's one that you can get a whole club really, really going for it to. Okay. You got any others? Yeah, so I went back and listened to an album I've not listened to in a while, which was Gerard Way's Hesitant Alien album. Uh, there's a lot of tracks on that that I really like. I'd forgotten quite how much I like that album. Mm-hmm. It's got a very sort of... In a lot of places, it's got a very 80s rock feel to it. There's a, there's there's tracks that have similarities to stuff by like Adam and the Ants and stuff like that. Like, It's not the musical comparisons I expect out of out of that sort of modern music. But yeah, there's, there's a couple of particular tracks I wanted to uh, shout out as being really good. Um, mm-hmm. How It's Going To Be is one that I really like. It's got a really nice solid drum line behind it. Uh, I really like uh, Brother, which is quite, it's kind of a sad track, but it's it's very beautifully done. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've, I've been enjoying listening to that album. What about you? Yeah, I've been listening to uh, Collect Call Adventure Club Remix, uh, Ele- Ele- Adventure Club Dubstep Remix uh, by Metric. Um, mm. It's um, really quite um, emotional, I guess, um, and uh, it's it's just like really nice slow mellow dubstep. Um, definitely worth a look. Yeah. Uh, and the last one I have been listening to this week is a new track called Self-Aware by Andreas. Uh, it's got sort of a masculine vocal line. Um, the thing that I think is really interesting about this is it has a lot of changes to the the structure of the track in places where I wouldn't expect them. It changes style repeatedly. It ignores a lot of the rules of how song structure is meant to be done. The pacing shouldn't work, but it does. It it just has this really experimental way of like doing hard left turns musically and and in terms of its pacing. Mm. That initially I was a little bit I was it was a little bit jarring at first almost because yeah. you don't hear music do this. Mm. But on a second or third listen, I was like, I really enjoy the way that the, the route that this track is taking. It just, the first couple of hard turns it, turns it made were like five, ten seconds, like ten seconds into the track. I was like, what, what was that? 
But yeah, I really enjoyed that. Nice. What about you? Um, I listened to a track called We Are Young, Revolver Remix. Ooh. Uh, you know the track We Are Young by Fun? Yeah. Um, it's a uh, uh, an Electro House remix. Ooh. Um, so it's got a really nice beat to it. It's um, very funky. It's an oddly lively track, considering the original was quite sort of slow-paced and and plodding. But yeah, yeah. it's um, it's lots of good fun. Yeah. Other than that, music-wise, all I really listened to was uh, when we went out at the weekend. What sort of music were we listening to at the weekend? Uh, there was some jungle, some drum and bass, a little bit of hard house at the beginning. Not really my thing. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, jungle, drum and bass, a lot of techno towards the end. Yeah. Like hard techno. <laughs> Very much. That, yeah. The place we went has a habit of trying to wear people Kill out at the, the end last of the two night. Hours. Yeah, the end of the night, it's like, right, let's get everyone's energy out so they go home sleepy. If you're still capable of standing up, <laughs> we haven't done our job. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's everything I've listened to. Mm. Oh, one other thing. <gasps> uh, I listened to the first episode of the new series of Dice Funk. Oh, that thing what I'm on. That thing what you've done. Well, what did you think of it? It's really good. I'm liking the addition of, of Conrad. Conrad uh, seems to be having fun getting back into D&D after, what, 20, 26 years? 26 years, yeah. But no, we, we started a new series of Dice Funk. Um, the thing I'm really enjoying about this is that we've started sort of with everyone being a happy family. And I'm mm. like... Yeah, let's all just be friends for a bit, please. Can mm. we all just have fun and no inter-party conflict and no party members turning on each other and trying to kill each other, please? Well, you can always make them re-roll things. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I can I can force them to not be able to kill each other by getting drunk. <laughs> uh, I'm really loving my new character, um, Captain Leah Moira Melbeck, who... Mm. She's a drunk space hippo that just wants to make friends. She's and great fun. She, she, she does the, the sherry lady voice that, yes. that that had its first radio outing with us on, on the Queer and Pleasant Strangers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she gets drunk and forces people to re-roll their dice. Yeah, um, I'm liking... Uh... Liking the mer person and the owl yeah. as well. Very... And our big, big, and big, drag. big, big drag. Drag. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying yeah. it. I'm looking forward to to having some low stakes stuff again because the last two seasons of Dice Funk, by the end of them, got very high stakes. Well, this one is very yeah. likely to be the oh, same. Oh no, I'm sure. But like, can it just be like high stakes where it's about like we might die, not we're all sad because we have really difficult emotional things to process. Well, you could be trying to take out the Death Star by the end of this. Yeah, all those planets on that map. Yeah. Who knows what could be going on by the end of that? <laughs> or even some universe ending super weapon developed yeah. by someone. Dice Funk, it's, it's self contained seasons of, of 5th edition D&D. Go listen to it. Go go jump in. Well, I mean, it's it's not just that the stories themselves are, are like, self contained. The fact that at the beginning of every series you do, like, rule explanations. Yeah, helps for anyone who doesn't know D and D at all. You could jump into this not knowing anything about D and D, and we're like, "It's fine. We'll explain the important stuff to you as we go." Yeah, which is generally just we'll roll dice. They'll probably from be from one to twenty. One is bad. Twenty is good. Mm. Well, I've got my earplugs, so I can be as asleep as I need to be in the next room, 
while you're getting drunker and drunker. Drunker and drunker. Surely you should be more drunk by the way. No, it's drunker and drunker. I'm drunk enough that I'm saying drunker. I'm drunker. I'm drunker. You listen to anything else? No. Neither have I. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Stone Monkey Radio Live News. I'm Sally Marafat. And I'm person who's not thought of a name yet. Tonight, the headlines... Bucket and Spade arrested for illegal constructions on UK beaches. A church in Ipswich has gone all spongy and is promptly eaten by birds and local children. A bush in Tennessee announced plans to run for president, believing that it's just a thing now that every few presidents are a bush. And frankly, they couldn't do a worse job than the last one. The government announced plans today to offer free holes for every UK citizen. These are being issued so that those who are still staunch Brexiteers can pop their heads in the holes and ignore all the evidence that to proceed with this shit show would be a disaster. Now, over to Invisible Bob with the weather. Hello, this is Invisible Bob. Oh, mate, it's just so pretty. Yeah, look at that one, it looks like a dinosaur. Interesting weather there, Bob. So, Laura, we've got uh, we've got a sponsor on the show this week. Oh yes, we do. We are sponsored this week by McBlue Apron King. That's right. At just fifteen pounds per meal, they're going to deliver you all the ingredients you need to make your favourite uh, comfort foods in the comfort of your own home. Exactly. Forget about the things that make fast food attractive to you, like cheapness and being able to be made quickly. No, you're going to make them from scratch, from home, with McBlue Apron King. Yeah, you know, I've, I've actually tried a couple of the boxes uh, myself. I had the uh, McWhopper Mac. The uh, I was making the McChicken fillet. I had to bake the bun myself. There's a lot of sugar in that bun. And, and then, obviously, the, the chicken, I, I coated that. In, indeed. Fried it all together and, and put it... It was really good. See, what, was, what was your favourite? Well, see, here's the thing. I wanted to just hit on something you said there, because mm, mm, mm. they send pre-portioned ingredients and I thought there was too much sugar. I looked at it and went, they can't have sent me the right amount. No, they sent me the perfect amount in a pre-portioned amount. Exactly. Six kilos of sugar. Exactly. To make my chicken nuggets with sweet curry sauce. Ah, popular one, popular one. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, that's it. Um, Don't forget, just uh, quote QAPS at the checkout uh, to receive uh, 15 pay off your next order. Exactly. Click on the microphone and then click on the bit that says podcaster, then click on the bit that says I want a discount and then click on the podcast microphone again. You'll work it out. That's Blue Apron King, the best way to get a lot of sugar in your body. So, what have you inserted surgically into your eye holes? Uh, there's a thing we... Uh, oh, should we, shall several we the, things we both watched. Yeah, should we should we start with the one that we watched a whole season of? Yeah, we watched uh, season five of BoJack Horseman. Yep, that was good. Once it, there was this horse who. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a good story. It, it continues to be like surreal comedy, but also like kind of heartwarming real yeah. stories. And sort of important things to to current events with yeah. for, with celebrities. Yeah, about celebrities that do bad things getting way too easily um, 
you know, able to apologise and just have no consequences, huh? Yeah, yeah, there's there's a few aspects of that and yeah. and other things. It's nice to see more of Todd and Todd's story. Yeah. Uh, not being ace myself, I, d- I don't really know how good that reputation is considered, I... but I've seen people online saying good things. Yeah, I can only go off what I've seen people online saying, but generally people have been pretty positive about, like, hey, there's, an, there's a primary character that is, that is asexual, and gets to have a plot line about where they get to talk about like the difference between asexuality and aromanticism. Mm. Like that's that's good going, Telly. Well, it, it almost sort of. I think it was almost a, a self fulfilling thing that I would think yeah. about how good that representation is because um, might want to skip forward thirty seconds for spoilers. But the whole bit about um, uh, Todd and. What's the axolotl person? I've uh, completely forgotten, but axolotl. Um, but axolotl, uh, and like that, the whole thing is that like it's we're only together because we're both ace, not yeah. because we're right for each other or have a lot in common or whatever like, else. That's such a real thing, though, isn't it? Absolutely, like, but that that that's what made yeah. me think about the series as as a whole and how it represents that. Is it this is a good representation of of, of asexuality, or is it? This is basically all we have on on television at the moment, and I, I think, we're happy to have that. I think it can be both. I, I mean, think yeah. I think that some a show can be setting a new high bar where no previous high bar existed, and it can still be good that they have raised that high bar. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm not saying that, yeah. but like, like, yeah, I, I get you. I mean, it's the it's the same with like. Trans films. I've watched a few trans films and I've been like, oh, that was really positive. And then other trans people who are much better at like uh, um, considering media than I, <laughs> and usually have media degrees, um, will sort of turn around and go, well, there was this wrong with it and that wrong with it, and this was quite exploitative. And I'm like, actually, you've got a fucking good point. Yeah, but <laughs> I briefly yeah. enjoyed a thing. It was like, yay, positive well, trans representation. What, what I will say about that particular plot line is. I think a lot of LGBT people of varying flavours yeah, yeah. experience that of mm. you understand the thing that I that is about me that other people don't seem to understand mm. and that can be mistaken for a deeper connection. Yeah. So yeah, mm. I, I was quite a fan of Bojack Season 5. What else we got? Um, we both watched the first episode of a series called Good Girls on Netflix. Mm. That took some dark turns, huh? It did. Yeah, so for anyone who's unaware of this show, um, it's it's a series on Netflix, and the general idea is three sort of pleasant, positive housewives all discover simultaneously, like, ah, we are in serious need of money very, very quickly, or our lives are going to fall apart. So they decide to rob a convenience shop, and uh, it does not go as smoothly as they perhaps would have hoped. It goes too smoothly, and then not nearly smoothly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are consequences. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to watch more of that show. Um, I liked a lot of the character interactions. Um, there, there were a lot of bits of the writing early on when the stakes hadn't gone all shit's hit the fan yet, where I was mm. like, that's really positive, empowering writing. That's really nice, mm-hmm. and I enjoy this. Um... Toward the end of that episode, it started reminding me a lot more of something like Breaking Bad, where it's quite, it's quite tiring TV to watch. Yeah. Like, it was undeniably well-written and arguably, like, yeah, okay, no, this this makes sense and I understand why this is happening, but 
It was tiring. Yeah, it was alright. Like, I was like, I, I was, I thought it was good, but mm, couldn't, couldn't binge watch that show. No, no, it's not really a bingey show. No. I'm, I'm curious to see whether, like, will it get back to a place where there can be some hijinks again, or is it just going to be dark the whole way through? Well, they could always do the whole Breaking Bad thing of just flashbacks and things. Yeah. So you could end up with stuff like that. I, I want to see this, like, I preferred that show when it was light-hearted and the stakes were, oops, oh no, silly, rather than... I'm going to cut your fingers off. I'm going to cut your fingers off and there's going to be a sexual assault thing happening. Mm. And Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. No. Uh, yeah, what you watched? Well, we also watched Saving Grace. Oh yeah, that was, that was one of your two movies you recommended this weekend. One of the two movies I... Went, uh, what have you got? Let's chuck that on, see, let's see if that's... How, how old is that film now? It's um, early 2000s? I think it was 2006 or something. Okay. I but, could be completely wrong. Yeah, do you want to summarise the plot of that film? Um, um so it's sort of a, a, a silly romp about a middle-aged woman um, whose husband uh, leaps out of a plane window. And uh, or, or plane door and and dies on impact with the ground as one does <laughs> as one does um and um she is left to sort of mourn and, and grieve about what the whole situation is only to find uh, a few weeks later that she's going to lose absolutely everything because uh, he was vastly in debt had used the house as collateral for various business ventures that had failed. Uh, he'd basically just spent all of the money and she was now absolutely balked. Can I just say, I've only just realised how how creepily similar that is to one of the plot lines from, from Good Girls. Not not including a death, but one a, a husband that's like, ah no, you've financially been screwed over because they have like made lots and lots of bad investments on that with the house as collateral. Yeah. But yes, so... Husband's dead and she's gonna lose everything. She's gonna lose everything. Um, she her her gardener asks her to uh, after after she can't pay his wages to help um, fix some of his plants because she grows orchids um, and, and is famous for doing so. Um, he has some pot plants that he's trying to grow under a bush in the vicar's garden. Potted plants <clears throat> should be in a pot in the sun. And that, no. Oh, oh, you meant no. the marijuana plants. Marijuana? The cannabis. Cannabis. The yes. hemp, hemp leaves. Um, well, not just any hemp. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, and, and hijinks ensue. Yeah, um, overnight she realises, like, oh, I'm quite good at growing weed, and I have, money grow... I have money troubles, and I'm good at growing weed. I'm going to grow a lot of weed. Yeah, and then... Hijinks ensue. ensue. Um, it was a really good, light-hearted film. Yeah, it's 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 funny, it's light-hearted, it's, 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 um, it's, it's okay. I did notice a few things that I... Uh, I, I haven't noticed on previous watches, or I haven't been as immediately obvious. Okay. I have a, a slightly different eye for things these days. <laughs> the the thing, the one thing I'll say about it is that ending is like complete Deus Ex Machina. Like, ah, we have contrived a happy ending here. But um, I, don't I think it worked. I I think it kind of felt a bit out of nowhere, at least to me. But I, I think maybe the like the very last thing that happens in there, but like the the. The bit that is sort of brought up during the credits, uh, or right at the beginning of the credits, 
Um, I can't do spoilers, but... No, here's what I'll say. I think towards the ending, mm-hmm. they write themselves into a corner and then just magically get out of it. Um, with, the, with the last choice that she makes before the credits, I think she sort of writes her way... Uh, the, the film's written its way into a corner. But that didn't stop me really enjoying it. Like... <laughs> the wacky hijinks of... Of older lady that's she just she just wants to sell some weed. That's all she wants to do. She doesn't really particularly want to be selling well, weed. She just wants to to not yeah. be homeless. Yeah, it's it's a it's a sweet film. It's quite sweet. There's a, there's a couple of things I noticed. One, there is not a single person of color in that film. Oh no, that yeah no. I mean, that, I don't know how white Cornwall is, but yeah, the south of England is pretty white, but not that white. Yeah, it's very well. And 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 also on that subject, um there is uh, an item in the general shop window. Yeah, um, I I didn't say that to you at the time, but there is a racial caricature in the shop window. I'm glad you came out with that answer because I'm like I I know what they were called. Oh yeah, I'm no. Not, so, so I'm pretty sure so, neither no. part of that those words are is yeah, acceptable. No, it's if you think of like old racist toys of black people that your grandparents might have, what are those called? Probably one of them. One, one you of them. You used to see them on the top of the jam pots. Yeah. So that that was weirdly out of place for a film in the 2000s. Mm. Mm. Yeah. There was um, never a good point to bring that up while watching, but mm, yeah, I was aware of that. I was immediately aware of it. I was like, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Really? It's, and it's not even like they were trying to portray this town as a town of, of like, prudish, behind-the-times people. Well, no, but then there wasn't anyone for them to... Luckily, there wasn't anyone for them, for them there to abuse. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's... Maybe what... that's why there's no people of colour in the town, because they all saw that shop and went, Oops, no, let's not live here. Hell no. Hell no. I don't want anything to do with these horrible, horrible racists. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that's... But other than that, generally good film. Yeah. There's, there's... <laughs> it was an enjoyable film if you could look past the racist caricature in a shop window. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was that. We watched another film as well. Uh, yeah, this was The Heat. We watched Le Heat. Which was um, that Sandra Bullock and... Um, Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, do you want to run this one down? Uh, so, uh, Sandra Bullock works for the FBI. She is uh, trying to sort of get up the chain of command. There is a position opening up as, I think it's a supervisor that she wants. And her boss basically says, look, you have no people skills. Yeah, you're amazing. There is more than... <laughs> Doing all the case solving and, and 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 catching the bad guys and stuff, you have to be good with people. You you can't get promoted if the people who are then going to work for you think that you're an asshole. Exactly. Um. And, and despite being very very good at her job, that's not the thing. But um, she is sent to um. I think it's Boston Drugs Ring. Yeah, a, a drugs ring in Boston. In Boston, and she ends up brushing up against local law enforcement uh officer Melissa McCarthy, who is far from the uh, straight laced, uh, button down, uh, Sandra Bollock FBI agent. She's like at uh, one point. Like Sandra Bullock asks if she's there to be interviewed. <laughs> um, yeah, she's she is um, she's not going to take any of Sandra Bullock's shit. No, none of the Bullock shit. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's a, a an odd couple movie that's uh, it, it's it's quite an interesting role. Again, spotted a few things in this that concerned oh, me. Yeah, no, there's some like unwoke, there's some unwoke bits. There's in some this very unwoke. There's an Arthur in there. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, of course, the the really fucking weird scene with um, they go to Melissa McCarthy's family house. Yeah. Uh, she goes out to talk to her brother. Sandra Bullock's left sitting at the table, and uh, this family of uh, Italian Americans are basically just grilling her about whether she's trans. Yeah, um, they ask yeah. how, like, how does she manage to shave that close? Has yeah. she had any surgery since she was born? Were you always female? It's yeah. like not good. It's, it passes quickly enough that, like, and and the points are all like bam, 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 done. That like I didn't it, find myself getting uncomfortable about it, but I was like, that's weird. Mm, that's weird. That is. That weird. was unnecessary for that scene. Yep. Um, again, if you can. Look past a couple of those weird moments. Yeah. It's it's generally just it's a very enjoyable sort of female led buddy cop movie. Um yeah. I like the character development between Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy's yeah. characters. They they grow in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. There's a cute cat. It is indeed a cute cat. Such a cute cat. He's a cute cat. Mm, have you watched anything else? I think that's everything I watched this week. Okay. Well, I've got one more. (gasps) So I've been looking at Equalist Art on uh, Facebook. Uh, It is a selection of uh, art pieces done. Uh, There is some poetry, some pictures, some some short music. Uh, It's all sort of... um, personally done by the artist in question there's um, lots of nice sort of stuff, it's quite hippie-ish um, yeah. there's lots of really beautiful art um, I like a lot of the images and um, they also make lots of like um, like uh, individualised birthday cards for, for friends um, memorial pieces this weird sort of comic book style that I, I really like yeah um, there's um, one of their pictures that they, they put up uh, like last month is just this like pink heart with like rays coming out from behind it in a sort of digital yeah. oil uh, or oil acrylic style. It's, it's beautiful. That's what it is. It, it's, yeah, it is. It's really good. The, and the, the videos are really pretty as well. They, they've done uh, promotional posters for um, like uh, club nights, yeah. uh, a couple that we've gone to. Um, so, yeah. Definitely good stuff. They are on Facebook, and that's Equalists are uh, Equalist Arts. Heck. Oh. So. And now we welcome to the stage our next motivational speaker, Jack Motivator. Hi there, everybody. Hi, hi. Uh, so uh, I don't want to keep you up too long. I just want to give you uh, this Im- important speech. It's it's so nice to be here, and I- I'm so glad that so many of you could come along to this. But. You know, I, th- I think a lot of people in this world, they're driven a bit too hard, you know. They they push themselves to achieve more and more and more. They're always high-flying, stressing themselves out, and I don't think that's really very good for anyone. So what I'm proposing is that you just take some time to just lay back, relax, you know. Like, what, what could, would make you feel 
better in the morning. Like, do you want to get up and put on a, a suit and some, some boring pants and some shoes that make you uncomfortable? Or do you want to hang out in your pants and maybe like a, an oversized t-shirt and some, some fluffy, uh, some fluffy slippers? You know, you could be doing that. I believe in you. You have the power to make that a reality. Do you want to do the washing up every single day of the week? Or do you want to spend your Friday morning eating chicken? Cheerios out of a ladle. Yay! I believe in you. You know, don't set an alarm clock. Sleep till noon. Uh, stay up as long as you want. Playing, playing your Xbox, your PlayStation, your your Switch, uh, anything like that. Just, just really relax. You know, do anything what you want. If it's legal where you are, maybe have a smoke. I'm not telling you how to live your life, but I believe that you can be as chill as you like. So, uh, thank you so much for coming along to my, uh, my, my talk. Uh, my motivational speeches are available on MP3 for people who were just not listening. But it seems like you're already living your own dream. Go, Jack! How you doing? Oh, not too good. Oh. Yeah, I've got real gas it on this as I... I'll say I've been that way and just, uh, just pr- propelling myself across the, 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 the lake all day, leaving little trails of bubbles behind me. Oh, I know. It's, it's, it's that problem. is kids keep giving us bread and they know it's not good for us. I know, right? And, and yeah. it's, 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 not, it's just not good for us. Oh, pardon oh. me. Oh, 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 oh that's nearly... a proper stinker. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's, it's very filling. They're very filling. I won't deny. And it's, it's quite yeah. sugary it's, compared to oh, what we usually get. It's, it's delicious. I'm, <clears throat> I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of that uh, and those carbs. They're not good for me. I could Really do with some what some some seedless grapes cutting off some 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 seeds just some seeds be some seeds if you know yeah, yeah. something that's not gonna give me an upset tummy all week. <sighs> oh jeez, oh. oh. sorry about oh. that. Sorry. Well, right, it's fine. Let's go over to those kids see if they're gonna get feed us anything that's not gonna cause us gastric trouble. <laughs> <laughs> questions time. Time for questions. You got some questions for me? I've got a couple of questions. Couple of questions? What are they? Well, let me just dust this one up because it, it it came in quite late last week, slightly <laughs> about an hour and a half after we'd finished recording. <laughs> um, and I was like, I'll try and remember that one. <laughs> I did remember it. So, uh, Bethany Turner would like to know, uh, Doctor Ivo Robotnik, Ivo Robotnik, or Doctor Eggman? Oh, Doctor Eggman. He's egg shaped. He's Eggman. Um. I I I I don't think there is any need, need to dead name Doctor Eggman. Yeah. Um. I, I am the I'm, Eggman. I am the Eggman. I have a walrus cuckoo cuckoo. Uh, well, a robot walrus, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. I I know that he previously had a different name in the UK, although as I believe has always been Eggman in Japan. So. Yeah. What, I go uh, with the current name. Exactly. Current names only, please. Uh, Becky Tootil would like to know what's your Braves? Uh, what's on your Braves to do list? My Braves to do list. Yeah, mine would be. I'm um, hoping to do a festival next year. <gasps> oh yes. Uh, I'm gonna 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 brave a public outing over a three day weekend, mm-hmm. uh, where I will be away from. Uh, all my usual facilities for hiding away, <laughs> hiding my face first thing in the morning. Oh, but hoping the uh, the laser I had before then will sort all that right out. Hopefully so. Yeah. Uh, 
I would like to uh, do a skydive. I'd love to do a skydive. I'd love to do a skydive. Maybe if we ever win the lottery, we'll go skydiving. Maybe. Maybe. I think I'd probably have to lose some weight first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. I'd That's a hang glide. Oh, hang gliding. Heck. Mm. Uh, what's our next question? Uh, Chris Larmouth would like to know, if you could change careers for just one day, what would you do and why? Astronaut. I just want to see what it's like to be weightless in space. I just want to be weightless in space for like one day and then I'll come back. Um, I think I'd either be a park ranger, because I'd like to just look after the wild lifey bits, or maybe a porn actor again. That's an answer. It's a nice ego boost when you sell some porn. Uh, Lucy Nevins would like to know, what is your uh, favourite colour? Uh, I'm going to go with that light blue that I do my hair all that the time. It's a beautiful shade of, uh, I think it's a, a, turquoise-y. a atomic turquoise by yeah. uh, Manic Panic. Yeah, I like a good light blue. Mm, it's very pretty. What about you? Um, um, fuchsia, I think. Ooh. I really do like those neon pinks. Nice. I, hence I had my hair that colour for ages. Yeah. Um, what movie have you seen most? Uh... Probably Power Rangers Turbo the movie. As a small child, I watched that film obsessively, just on repeat. Months, years of my life were lost to that film. It's always going to be the the film you watched endlessly as a child. Yeah, what about you? Um, It's the film I watched endlessly as a child. I watched Rocky Horror Picture Show. Heck. So my parents recorded it off the TV in... Christmas of 1984 and I watched it <laughs> until the tape fell apart sometime in the early 2000s sometimes three or four times a day that sounds familiar <sighs> to me what's next and then my mother wonders why there was some communication problems with what I was trying to say when I came out when that's the only material you have to explain yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not a good movie. And mm. and, and and Richard O'Brien is a horrible shit. Oh yeah, Richard O'Brien is a fucking shit bag. Uh, Stan would like to know, what is the most mediocre game you've ever played? Uh, most mediocre is like, it's a really tough bar to hit. Like yeah. most middle of the road. <laughs> because um, by virtue of that, it is which is most easy to forget. Yeah, I would probably go with something like. Uh, okay, I've I've got an answer, and I don't remember the name of it, but I know we've talked about it on this show before. Mm-hmm. It was that Switch game, that really terrible Switch game set on an island that looked really terrible. Unbox. Um. Yeah, you were a box jumping around. That was. It was just. Uh, it was shit. Uh, <laughs> it was absolute it was garbage. Sh- it was shit, but not in wet. Here's the thing it was shit, but not in any kind of way where I could describe to you now what was shit about it. It was. I don't remember why the it was shit. The graphics were bad, it, the controls were garbage. I know it looked bad and it played bad. I'd forgotten you were even a box in it. It's. It's terrible, but it's mediocrely terrible. It's not even terrible in interesting ways. Yeah. What about you? You got any answers? Um, I'm just looking through my Steam library. I mean, there's a couple on here that I thought were pretty... Just okay. Uh, Transformers War for Cybertron? 
Yeah. Um, I think maybe like the slowness of the Transformers. I mean, obviously you can you can go into to robot mode, um, and that'll speed things up a bit. But that was yeah. just okay. Ten million. Oh, ten million. Yeah. Tile matching game. Uh, it's another tile matching game. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say Dead Island, but actually that was intrinsically bad. <laughs> Yeah. Because of the the destruction rate of your of your things, um, yeah, there's actually quite good games on here. I might have to go back to some of these. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I think that's that's probably that's that that's one. an answer from each that's of us. That's an answer by virtue of them. The mediocre ones are really hard to remember. Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. Don't need to answer that one. They answered it themselves. Uh, Kel Goodall. Um, uh, partner and I are planning to seek lower surgery over the next few years. Any post-op tips that help during recovery? Um, be willing, even if you're not a good person at accepting help, be willing to accept some help. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not push yourself to get up and around before you are ready because you will make things worse. Do not change the bedding. Yeah, I went out. I was looking after Jane after lower surgery. Uh, I went out to do a food shop. And she tried to do the bedding and then, like, was exhausted and had to sleep for, like, forever. I Well, I did manage to change the bed, though. You did, but you clearly were not ready. No, I did spend, like, the next eight hours of sleep. Yeah. And then still slept all night. Be, be prepared for, like, it's going to be tiring, it's going to be painful, it's going to be exhausting. You're going to be a bit befuddled because you just don't have enough blood. It's going to be emotionally taxing because, yeah. like, it's this big thing that you've built up in your head for so long that suddenly is just done. Mm. And there's a lot of, like, I, like, for example, I had uh, prolapse nightmares for a while afterwards. Um, yeah, they're not, I still occasionally get them, they're not fun. I, um, I I occasionally it's, it's it's not the actual prolapse itself prolapse itself I flash back to, it's the night before surgery when um the uh, the person from from the hospital yeah. who we we both sort of seen, uh sort of as our not the the uh, the surgeon but like his the consultant person yeah um and uh they came into my room the night before and was like blah 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 now you might prolapse which will mean that the skin tube will pop out and i was <laughs> like please never refer to my neo vagina as a skin tube yeah now i'll occasionally have the like sometimes it'll be prolapse dreams sometimes it'll be I just have a penis again and that's an uncomfortable thing, dreams. Like, occasionally those dreams will just happen and I'll wake up and go, no, no, all still good, all still good. Still inside. Um, but, like, the, the main thing is just be prepared for, like, it's gonna be emotionally, physically, it's gonna be rough. Yep. Just be ready to accept some help and mm-hmm. don't push yourself too hard because you need to... You need to recover, you need to relax, you need to give yourself time to get back into life. Yep. Um, be willing to accept help. Uh, don't be afraid to take longer than you need. You, you think you need to dilate. Yeah. Dilate until you think you're done. Yeah. Um, because I remember like, when I was first in the hospital, they were saying, like, oh, you know, just half an hour. Yeah. But when I got home, I was often ending up doing dilation sessions that would be an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah, same. Two hours sometimes. I, I would, like... It would usually be to like set up, dilate, have a a rinse would be a good two hours, and yeah. that's three times a day. Like, 
you're gonna feel like your whole life is dilating for a while. Yeah. Binge a series, uh, or, or or a few series, or get used to enjoying the scene out of your bedroom window. Yeah. I got to watch the squirrels a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think that was all I was going with with that one, really. Um, if you're both planning on seeking lower surgery, I would recommend like three or four months between yeah. each so that you can actually help each other. I, if you have the option, try and space them out a bit so that you can be there to look after each other. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you, you're going to need it more than you think. Yes. Um, I, it was like two weeks before I felt able to do a basic, very slow walk to the shops properly without worrying about myself. I didn't pop to the shops until after you'd left, and I think you were the last person that was coming to, to yeah. look after me. And that was, what, three weeks? Yeah, about... Three and a half weeks? To be fair, you had, like, hills to deal with to get out yeah, of Yeah, I've house. only got hills round, round where I was. So. Yeah. I, I had a relatively flat route, but even then it was... Two weeks before I could slowly, painfully walk myself just about to the nearby corner shop, mm. get home, collapse with exhaustion, and be like, ah, this is, the amount of blood has happened. Ooh. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. What was the other one? Um, We got ended up getting... Um, basically, uh, they're not quite... What they uh, Incontinence nappies. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. Like... At a hospital, they were like, oh, yeah, do you know, just get some, some sanitary towels of various sizes. Yeah, and no, that ain't going to do it. Um, certainly for the first couple of weeks, that wouldn't mm. have. But I, I would have ended up with quite a lot of pairs of, of, if not ruined, certainly very crusty, bloody underwear. Yeah, um, like, don't don't be afraid to be, like, big, thick incontinence pads because you are going to weep and bleed and... All sorts of fluids are going to happen for a while. Um, also, don't be like terrified if like weeks, months afterwards, you still occasionally go, oh, there's some blood for no reason, because mm-hmm. stitches will eventually come out. You will, you will just occasionally have like, ah, that's bleeding. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, water gets stuck up there as well. Oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, have I wet myself? No, no. Apparently, no, just... that bath I had earlier, you didn't. <laughs> Give it a good didn't, shake didn't out. give it the squeeze. <laughs> yeah. That was a weird one for a while. I think that's about the best advice we can having, give. Having conversations with girlfriends and they're like, oh yeah, that happens. Did no one tell you? No, no. no one said a word. Matthew Hudson would like to know, do either of you play instruments? Uh, I play the drums. I used to play the clarinet once upon a time. Uh, I got about as far as being able to play my Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean and stopped. Yeah, drums. I like to do a bit of a hit of the drums. Mm. And you do it very, very well. Oh, thank you. What do you play, if uh, anything? I play the ocarina <gasps> and the uh, and the recorder. I used to play the harmonica as well. Not very well, but I did used to play the harmonica. Yeah, love a bit, love a bit of ocarina. Yeah. Go up park on a nice sunny summer afternoon, play a Ponus song and attract nerds. It's fun to do. Uh, Jacob Marion would like to know what personal philosophies have you come up with during your lives? Oh, that's that's the one. Have you got an answer while I think about Not this? Not really. Um, I, I have adopted other people's philosophies. Yeah, I've, I've always liked the philosophy of um, never eat y- yellow snow. Yeah, uh, the the one that jumped to mind when you asked this, and not one I've created by any means, but it's a uh, you you always miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Um, and that's that's like a mentality I've really tried to take with my work stuff is try for the thing that you think 
think people will say no to, because the worst case scenario, they say no like you expected. Best case scenario, jump up career-wise. I think, like, when I was younger, my philosophy was very much, help everyone, help all the people. <laughs> um, yeah, be And there. it, it uh, eventually turned into, help people as long as they deserve. If people try start treating you like shit, then... That's you. You do not need that in your life. You help, deserve better. Help people who act like they want to be helped. There is that too, because sometimes people just don't want to be helped. Yeah, you can't force help where it's not wanted, and you're just gonna run yourself ragged doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's do that... no harm, take no shit. Yeah, that's that's good. Got any more questions? Uh, Barbara and Nicole Pitts would like to know. Um, I just finished Troubled and her friends, and wondering if you know of some more great queer speculative fiction, particularly in the cyberpunk subgenre. Uh, uh cy- cyberpunk, uh, LGBT queer fiction. I'm just gonna say, go look up those write-ups of how the first Matrix movie is really fucking trans, and then watch the Matrix, because. The, at the very least, the first Matrix film is entirely, very clearly the Wachowski sisters going, let's tell a trans allegory. I need to watch that again. Yeah, should we do that at some point? May, we, may, we definitely should. Maybe Sunday night, if we're not too sleepy, we'll put on the Matrix and, and we'll go through and go, oh yeah, that's really trans. Hmm. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. You got any recommendations? Uh, no, sadly. Hmm. Um, I'm I'm not super... Uh, I've not read a lot of cyberpunk stuff. Um, I tend to read like more fantasy and weird. Yeah, I like the idea of cyberpunk. There's not a lot of great uh, LGBT cyberpunk stuff, but you know, there's stuff around. The Matrix is the only one that's coming to mind because I'm on the spot. If you ever ask me to recommend a book, really the best book I can ever recommend is Dark Toys and Consumer Goods. Um, It's just my favourite book. Um... It's about uh, how capitalism will destroy us all and and how awful it is. Like, the the first story is a a family that moved to a new town. Um, They've managed to get sort of an an upgrade to live in a nicer area. Hmm. Um, Like, husband has gone off to work for the first day um, and she goes off with the kids to the, the local shopping mall and they get there and, like... They, they on on the first floor, they're very clearly on the first floor. They can see the sort of three floors below them. But if they look up, it just seems to be infinite forever. And if they go up to the top store in the, floor in the mall, they can see the ceiling, and then it looks like infinite floors below them. And it's only like 20, 30 floors. And on the very, very top floor, you can get loans for credit so that you can spend money. Oh, no. So basically... They decide they don't want to be in the supermarket anymore because there's too many people, there's too much noise, it's too much going on, and the yeah. whole thing seems to be really fucked up and weird. So they get back in the car, and they start um, driving, or trying to drive out, and they're like, how do you get out of here? Maybe it's one of those places where you have to drive all the way up to the top to get to to get to the exit ramp, and then you go all the way down, and they just, as soon as they hit the very, very top, it just goes back, loops back to one. So they're like can't get out so they keep driving around for a while eventually they they stop the car and and think maybe we can go back in the supermarket later on in the book you find that when people move to new areas they have to do like community service shopping and taking out credit 
and, and oh, being a good consumer. That's terrifying. I'm not sure I want to read that. That it's, scares me. It's it's a brilliant. It's I think it's supposed to be like uh, teen, like mild horror fiction. Yeah, no, um, that's already enough horror for me. I'm like, oh, no, thank you. It's brilliant, and it's it's like six short stories that are all quite horrific in I'm, their own I'm way. I'm no good at horror. Oh, I like horror. I'm a big old wuss. Aww. Mm. I'm a very cutie wuss. <laughs> Any other questions? That's all the questions. <gasps> do you know what I want to see? What do you want to see more of? Russian Justice Warriors! Alright, Larry. Alright, Barry. How are you doing? Um, you know, you just, oh, just frustrated at the state of the world again, mate. Oh, yeah, what's uh, frustrating you uh, today? Well, you know, I've been been chatting to a a, a friend of mine, you know, uh, Steve, and um, he's, uh, you know, he was uh, diagnosed with uh, HIV a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah, real real stressful time for him, you know, and and he's he he was he's always said like you know through through dealing with this so far that it, it's been like you know it's been incredibly stressful obviously there's there's a lot of social stigma involved with it yeah. you know and and that, and that that was incredibly depressing for him and and basically if it hadn't been for like his his uh, help at, at the local clinic oh, that yeah. he doesn't think he would have got through that and you know mm. i think you know with that sort of thing you can be quite isolating and separating People who have it very often, you know, sort of isolate themselves. Don't want to talk about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know. it's it's a proper it's a proper issue. Like the the the, the way that society treat, treats people who've got HIV means that like often only you know people at clinics, you know, professionals who actually understand it are, you know, sometimes some of the only people that you know people feel they can go to talk about how they're feeling. Exactly, you know, the, the problem has been like in the in the last couple of years, the the state of of funding for like public sexual health, uh, for for very much specifically for for sexual health, has been slashed to crap. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you noticed that the uh, the uh, uh, GUM clinic around the corner from us, um, you know, recently shut down uh, for a yeah. while and then uh, then popped open again. Now it's a, a virgin care affair. Yeah, a lot of them are turning that way. Aren't well, they? apparently that's like the thing they won the contract for for sexual health in the UK, and, and oh. a lot of people are saying that uh, you know not only have, have the local budgets been cut, but also there's you know the waiting times have gone up, and the actual service provision is not needed there at all. Oh gosh, yeah, like the whole thing, the whole thing I've been hearing is that like the actual personal touch is completely gone because now like rather than just being able to call like that person at the clinic that knows your story and knows how to help you, you now got to go through a switchboard and you're probably just going to get passed through to someone in different district who won't be able to pass you on to who you actually want to talk to. Exactly, you know, but, you, you, want, you want to talk to someone local, you want, you know, you need uh, that continuation of service. Yeah. The same problem I've had, I've said with, with mental health problems. Yeah. And like, um, I, I've got another friend uh, who's who's also been diagnosed with HIV, he was saying when, when he came out, obviously there was an awful lot of depression in it, and he was saying like, the way he was treated by the local clinic was amazing. Like the fact that he was able to get a lot of mental health treatment much faster than yeah. the, the standard NHS route because that it was at the time better funded. And now there are like Wales, for instance, has, has cut like 
all of its funding. Yeah. Uh, like this is a couple of years ago. Wales cut all of their specific funding for HIV-related services, yeah. and and that's you know that. That, that you've got people like the Terence Higgins Trust recently, you know, de- declaring absolutely that you know undetectable is untransmittable. Yeah, and 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 like that's an amazing thing, you know. If you if you're able to keep up the medication, you're able to look after these people, you're able to make them feel supported. Yeah, then you know they can go on, they can live their lives, that and and be be you know completely unable to pass that on to anyone else with the yeah. with the right medication, the right treatment. And if they keep slashing things the way they are, how is that going to? How is that going to yeah. last? Like, if people can't get tested because their local, uh, you know, clinics um, can't do testing in quick enough time, well, like, if they can't get in to get their medication, well, like, exactly, yeah, yeah. And Steve was saying recently, like, you know, he's uh, been struggling to get through to, to clinic and stuff. And you know, he's he's now got only like three or four weeks worth of, of medication left. And they're going, oh, we, we don't know when we can get that to you. It might be, you know, uh, early October, late October, sometime like that. We might might be able to get it for you. It's like, well, by that time, you know, my fucking immune system could be completely shutting down. Yeah. You know, and there's, that's no way to treat people. Exactly. We, we are, look at places like America. They've got similar problems with funding. There we are, some of the, the or, so the UK is a bit more fucked now, but like some of the, the richer countries in the world, and we can't even fund the healthcare. We can't give people the treatment they for, need for diseases that we know full well how to treat. Absolutely treatable, but yeah. like money is too important it's, to these people. And a bit of a side note, but like yeah. you were talking about, um, you know, mental health treatment within HIV clinics and things. Yeah. I just wanted to like drop an anecdote. This is like probably like five years plus ago now. Yeah. Uh, I know someone that was, uh, that they got offered mental health treatment as a trans person through an HIV clinic because they were just like, look, we've got the space. We want to be able to help support people's mental health. Mm. We've got people here. We can offer space out. Like, a lot of those clinics were like going above and beyond to really help and support people. Not only the people they were paid to help and support, but to you know to make that go further to really yeah. help all like as many communities as they, as they could. They were making really positive use of that money. Well, that's and that's what you know. It's, yeah, people in the, in the medical industry are all about. You know, they they got into it because they want to help people, yeah. not because they want to be run ragged by you know uh, a service that constantly dicks them over for pay and their contracts and whatever else yeah no one's in no one's in uh, the health services for the money they're in for you know wanting to do some good exactly and then you know what that just the, the tr- oh, I'm choking on my own rage at this no, point it's alright but yeah it's, it's an absolute travesty it's a real shame that no one's talking about it more it's a thing that we really need to get like loud and proud about absolutely you know and uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've right. lost it, mate. I'm uh, just okay, too yeah, angry. I think we've got too many words. Do you want that hug? That I, 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 I very much need that hug right yeah. now. But yeah, I, I hope that uh, I hope the more conversation happens with that. Yeah, let's hope we can start something. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, it's a good hug. Here's a good hug. I'm ready for a nap. This hug is reminding me I'm ready for a nap. I, I could go and nap myself right yeah. now. Actually. Yeah. Oh. Right, shall I? Uh, Pot some cocoa on this. Oh, sounds perfect. So, Laura? Yes? Where can we find you on the internet? 
You can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Laura K Buzz on YouTube, Laura K Buzz on Twitch. You can find me Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 at kotaku.co.uk. You can find me on Dice Funk, which is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons real play podcast. Uh, I'm on seasons 3, 4, and now 5. They're all self-contained seasons, all self-contained stories that explain the rules of D&D when you jump in, so... You can either listen to a story about a bunch of people trapped in a big barrier town that they can't escape, or people that are in need of money and end up doing a bunch of heists and maybe overthrowing capitalism a little bit. And you can listen to a story about some people going on space adventures, so that's seasons 3, 4, and 5. Other than that, July 18th next year, July 18th, 2019, uh, my memoir comes out, and uh, I'm going to say end of September, or maybe a week into October, you will be able to put some money down in order to get a book that I am writing. If you would like to put some money and go, yes, I would like a book that Laura did, you'll have a way to do that in the next few weeks. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to pre-ordering my copy or, or kickstarting or whatever that ends up being. It, it like, like, like. There will be a method of giving me money to, to have this book exist. Mm. What about you? Where are you on the internet? StoneMonkeyRadio.blog um, SoundCloud.com slash JaneNerysMagnet uh, Where you might be listening to this. <gasps> and also ManiacJaniac on Twitter and YouTubia. Mm. Uh, I think those are all places. All the important places anyway. Right. So with that said, until next time, be a stranger.